Hey, it's Bill Gross, and this is our Probate Weekly uh, live stream. We do this every Thursday, 4 p.m. on Probate Real Estate. Um, we also live stream this on YouTube and Facebook. We invite uh, investors, wholesalers, real estate agents, uh, attorneys, vendors, families, petitioners to get on here and talk about all things probate real estate related. Uh, as I was mentioned to one of the people before we started, uh, I'm a real estate broker here in Los Angeles. I sell houses. I don't sell coaching. I don't sell data. I, I can refer you to some companies that I think are really good and can help you. But my only interest is in learning more, working together, and by working together, hopefully we all can sell more houses and give better service to our clients. We can increase our income and increase our wealth. And that's my goal behind this. So um, our, we have a special guest today. She's coming from a legal conference. And so she told me she'd be a few minutes late, which I think is fine when you hear her. I think you'll understand why uh, we would wait because she's uh, she's a very special lady. She'd done it before and was real popular. Um, but I don't see her yet this time. So one thing I want to share with you, a, a question I get asked a lot is about the court. Is the court open again? Is it not open again? What's the process look like? And I'll just share with you today, we just got a brand new um, letter from the court in LA County that, changed, that shows the newest rules. And it says the presiding court has, he continues to require face masks, which has gone on you know, for quite a while, but uh, you do not need to show a um, uh, vaccination proof, which I find interesting. Looking at the politics of it, I got a haircut on Thursday, I had to show them my vaccination card, but I don't have to show it to go into the courthouse. So I don't know if that's because it's more important or the restrictions are different or, or what it is, but just kind of FYI, that's going on. Um, oh, okay, Valerie is there, but she's having tech issues. Well, you know, the nature of technology is we have issues. So there you go. Um, uh, like on my, on my iPhone. Okay, good. Um, so that particular update, somebody asked the question, where do I get legal updates from? So a couple of things. One is I belong to the LA County Bar Association. I'm not an attorney as an affiliate member. And so I encourage real estate agents who want to participate in this area to join your local bar as an affiliate and that they do that on purpose to bring in professionals like us to interact with their members, uh, to bring service to sponsor, obviously pay for things, but also gives us a chance to interact and learn. And there's different benefits from that. One of the benefits is um, getting noticed information, getting um, um, emails, getting invited to events. Uh, I don't go to many of the events, like there's a mixer, that's just not my style at all. But also there's like a chat within LA County that's very popular and attorneys use a lot to um, um, uh, you know, find information or ask information of each other and referrals and things like that. So you can participate in the chat if you're a a member of the affiliate, at least in Los Angeles. So I definitely encourage you to participate uh, in that if that's something that you're interested in doing. Um, okay, technology-wise, I see our guest, and let me see if I can find her. Really excited, there she is. I really excited. I felt you know when I when I this was a long shot. You know, I reached out to her. I'm, I'm kind of booked up for the next month with guests, um, and she'd mentioned that she wasn't available today. She had a conference to go to. And she said, but possibly, and she threw out the possibility, and I'm willing to hang on, I'm an optimist. But I, but when I heard about it, in the back of my head, what I heard was Oprah Winfrey introducing our current guest today, one of my favorite attorneys, Orange County, probate, state planning, superstar, party in a box, fantastic lady, found a knowledge, 
Shadi Schaefer. Shadi, how are you doing? Bill. How are you? How's everyone? Hi, everybody. I am doing this on my iPhone. I don't know why my um, computer desktop's being funny today, but here we are. Uh, the blessings of having all the options in front of us. Hi, everybody. Well, you know, it's amazing. The, this speaks to the quality of the iPhone as a camera is amazing. Right. And a lot of real estate agents are concerned about live streams and podcasts and doing video. And I'd say you have in your hand one of the greatest cameras in the world and you carry around with you all day long. So uh, yep. you look fantastic. So I don't know if you're using some special magical filters or what you do no. in the long work days attorney to look like. This, you are like so sweet. Well, I'm hosting a group of attorneys. They're all estate planning attorneys from across the nation. I'm making it sound like they're, it's a huge group of us. We're about 11 total. So wow. I had to look a little extra you know, put together today, Bill. But I'd like to say, you know, I also did it for your group, but I oh, wow. I came Thank in you. last minute, so I don't want to miss well, I'll miss take that. That's okay. I'll take that. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> you have hit that. So, Shadi, you are a uh, attorney in Orange County. Your your office is in Irvine. Um, so guess what background? How did you, where'd you grow up and how'd you get into law initially? Oh, wow. Well, I'm the first U.S. born child of immigrant parents. They were here very young, 18 and 21 with the one-year-old mm -hmm. note English. And I was born in Bronx, New York. And um, I don't know, I think part of being uh, the first daughter to immigrant parents, I became like an advocate for them as a young girl. And um, when I was 13, a woman I knew said, you young lady need to put that mouth to use and you should go be an attorney. It was the first time I ever even knew what an attorney was. So fast forward, many, many years and a lot of blood, sweat and tears. I'm not gonna lie. I went to junior college and I went to college at UC Santa Barbara. And then I actually did a master's program overseas in Spain in the area of environmental law. I never really knew anything about estate planning. And in law school, I took my first course in estate planning. And I would like to say the rest is history, but I kind of did the traditional route, went and worked for a law firm and then, and then fell upon estate planning. I knew it, it was always an area of law that I absolutely loved. It was my best scoring class in law school. Mm. And um, in all honesty, the reason I went into estate planning is because I felt like that was really the only area for me where I felt like I was really helping and serving my clients. I, I In other areas of the law, I felt like something bad was happening. Not that bad things don't happen in estate planning. When people don't plan, and they die, that's the bad part. But I do so much work being proactive and protecting clients from probate and all the ugliness that I just, you know, gosh, I can't believe it's, I guess it's been almost 18, 19, 18 years I've been doing estate planning, 20 years I've been practicing. So yeah. You started when you started when you're 12 years old. Wow. <laughs> Is that so legal? <laughs> you're so sweet. I don't know. If you saw me this morning, you wouldn't say that. But okay, I'll take it from thanks. Well, you're a mom, you have how many kids? I have three total. I birthed two of them. I have an older son that I acquired through marriage, um, son of my heart, my bonus son. Uh, I have three boys, 14, nine, and five. They all live with me and my husband. If yeah. he lives with you, he's your son. If you put up with him in your house, <laughs> yes. he's yes, your son. I, 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 you know, I call him my son, but if you saw him, he's almost six foot tall, blonde hair, blue eyes. So I think wow. that's where like people look at me like, you know, so I, I'm so used to explaining it, but yeah, anyways. You got your hands full. Yes. So, so you're you're um, you're licensed to practice law in California. Are you are you involved in any other states besides California? 
I am not in other in any other state, okay. but my law partner is in Florida. So technically our firm does do work also in Florida when it makes sense. The reason why I say that is because, you know, at the end of the day, we want our clients to be serviced properly. So if it's better that they have a local attorney in Florida, then great. If for some reason it works that we help them, you know, uh, then we could do that too. So yeah. Got it. How is the practice of law in California different than other states that you're, as, as far as you're aware of? I mean, you're not practicing oh. necessarily yourself in other states, but how is it different? Huge difference. So unfortunately, the United States doesn't have a uniform rule for when you die and probate and whatnot. I think at one point we have to get there, but every state is so unique and different that the laws and the rules are different from state to state, right. especially in the area of estate planning, wills and trusts. Mm -hmm. um, California actually is the worst state in the nation still, I'm embarrassed to share, to be um, to not have a plan. It's called dying intestate. I don't want to get into the legalese because that's confusing and boring. But um, if you don't do your plan, the courts have a plan for you, which really sucks if you don't mind my saying. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, the way I put it is, if you don't have a plan, the, the same people who designed the DMV and that level of service will take care of your assets for you. Oh my gosh, you know what, Bill? That is the best analogy. That is, can I use that? I'm gonna, please. You know I will say Bill Gross. You may have to. Probate realtor in no, Southern please, California. I'll coin this, but that is a great analogy. I have an analogy when I discuss probate about the cost. I say it's kind of like Disneyland, super expensive to get in. And then once you're in, it's even more expensive. It's like you breathe and you're you're paying for stuff, you know? <laughs> I think you pay a lot to get in and then you realize, right? And the fee and the, the yeah, cost. A dream. One, I, a I'm nice curious, dream. it's probably a little different in Orange County than LA County, but the reaction I always get from customers is when they find out what the advertisement of the probate costs. Yeah. In a yeah. newspaper that nobody reads. Yeah, 980 950 940 yeah it's called yeah. the publication and yeah. people my clients are always like why am i paying 900 some dollars for this well you yeah. have to tell the world you know <laughs> that you know your loved one died and they're like and we're still doing this on a newspaper yes we are it's like how weird. does that even work i, now, I, used I don't to even go to know court. who reads it well i used to go to court i'll tell you who i'll tell you exactly who i used to go to la county court every day and uh you know back in the day when you had to file things physically in the courthouse down the hall, the second floor, uh, there at the end of the hall where most, where most of the probate uh, uh, departments were, then then you turn down the right. There was like a little alcove where there was a little cubicle area for two or three of the newspaper companies, and you yeah. go there and you could place your order and you know write them a check or give them a credit card, and they would print copies of the newspaper, put it on the bench right outside the door. Wow. And I always thought, why do I have to publish? Nobody's reading it. The only I know. copies in the world are right here. Who else reads this thing? I know. You know what? So COVID has the silver lining um, has blessed us because it pushed our government, all of us, right, into being more tech conscious, right, mm -hmm. um, and tech accessible. So I guess yeah. that's the silver lining, right? We could do appearances now through Zoom and online. So that's the blessing. But there's still so much red tape and bureaucracy in any government-led, you know, um, process like your comparison to the DMV. Probate is not for the faint at heart. <sighs> Takes two years to go through. Now with COVID, it's taking a little longer. I mean, two years is probably, it used to be like a year and a half, but now it's two years because of COVID. 
I wouldn't say it would take longer than that. If, if your attorney's doing their job and it's and getting their stuff done on time and meeting all the deadlines, uh, you can finish it within the two year mark. If you're lucky, you could do it within a year and a half, but that's it. That's as fast as it's going to get. And the yeah. problem is you could go cry to the judge and tell them all the sob stories. My kids, this, my mom, that my grandma, this, and they don't care because they go, well, don't yell at me, yell at the dad or uncle or father or parent parent that didn't do their planning so you know if you don't do your own plan the court system has one for all of us and it's not exciting and it's not cheap it's expensive it's expensive i make 10 times the money in probate 10 times like i don't need to i mean i tell my clients like "Eh, you don't want to spend three or four five thousand dollars on a trust plan that's fine there are lower cost trust plans by the way so don't hold me to those numbers but that's the range in our firm, you're you're spending 10 times the amount in probate court, just a million dollar property. And you're looking at million dollar market value property, parent dies, the property goes to the kids or they want to sell it, divide it or do whatever. And if that million dollar property was not under a trust plan, it's literally going through probate and the fees are bare minimum 30 I'm doing fast math, $35,000 to as much as $65,000. Right. And, and that's if nobody objects, they don't drag it out. You know, if it, I mean, uh, and of course, you have a house with a reverse mortgage or a mortgage on it, your equity is just getting eaten away every month. So there's both the cost of the probate and then there's the cost of not being able to manage the assets at the same time. It is really very expensive and very trust uh very that's a very good point bill i mean i've got a lot where um they're where they're struggling to pay the property taxes you know the kids are like well who's going to pay for this do we have to pay for this so meanwhile you're getting penalty fees you know like you said i've got a case right now where um the reverse mortgage lenders going starting foreclosure and i'm trying to push the parties to agree push there's like two kids in the house not children but adult children still living in the home Always. they don't want to leave it's 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 a mess it's 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 sad but you know i think we do this all the time and one thing i've noticed that's changed recently tell me if you've seen this on reverse mortgages it used to be they were like a lender if you called them they didn't want to foreclose they would work with you as a listing agent i'd send them the listing agreement i'd show them it's in the mls i showed them the days on market that we're doing what we're supposed to do now they they assign the mortgage to a basically a foreclosure company. It's a, it's a legal processing company in San Diego, and they're just running the timeline as fast as they can to foreclose. And they're fine with you doing an ex parte and delaying it because they're going to add those fees onto the mortgage balance. They're glad to do it. They're a law firm, and they're going to end up charging you more and more and more as you try to fight the foreclosure until there's no equity left at all. So do you see that yeah. happening uh, as well in the reverse mortgages? Yeah, well, I will share. I think because because it's been happening where reverse mortgages are coming, tying up into probate, there is a rule that they have to give families nine months from the date of death. So they do get nine months, but here's the thing, just because you're given a certain time period doesn't mean that the reverse lender has to just sit back and not protect their interests. So what I'm finding is, yeah, they'll oftentimes refer it to an attorney because you know, people say, oh, well, well, it'll be done before then. And then what do they do? They push it, they push it, they push it. And right. so if the reverse mortgage lender doesn't file suit or file certain legal notices and and, and per- foreclosure proceedings, they're not protecting their interest in the, right. in the note against the property. So unfortunately, right. the law and the real world don't meet in perfect unity and they have to do 
what they need to do to protect their interests. So yeah, I'm sure. seeing that a lot more than, uh, especially now with COVID. Yeah. I think lenders are not confident that the family um, or the heirs can work things out and figure it right. out in time, unfortunately. Right. right. So yeah, that's the happening. Common cases, I, I went to Orange County right now where there's the one, there's, there's four sons or four siblings. There's the one who's living in the house. He's been living there for free for two years while mom and dad, mom or dad were sick. The mom and dad passed and he's been, and he's hiding the, the, uh, the notices. He's not telling anybody there's no payments. He's living there for free for two, three years, doesn't have a job, really can't launch into life. And, and then the other siblings, they don't want to throw him out and make him homeless, but that's really his, his only option, right? What, what do you, what do you do in what those you, cases? You feel sorry for him, but what do you do? You know, when, so what the case I was bringing up actually, so it's kind of hard to explain, but I'm not the lead attorney in the probate and this, um, the daughter is the mom was my client and I told her, so it's crazy story. Her husband died. She came to me for probate. And I kept saying, Linda, you need a trust. You need a trust. Now that we resolved all this, you need a trust. She didn't do a trust. She didn't do a trust. I, I, I'm like, oh my gosh, why wouldn't you do a trust? So she didn't do a trust. It's in probate. The brother got an attorney and the sister keeps calling me like, trying to explain to me why she wants to stay living in the house. And, and I, I'll call her Sarah. And I'm like, you gotta leave. Like you gotta leave. And it's been like literally 10 months. And I, I finally said you, it's going to go into foreclosure. It's, it's a reverse mortgage lender. Bill. So I'm like, if you, but also part of my like confusion is if you don't ever leave, you're never going to get the inheritance from your home, from right. the home that's owed right. to you because you're one of two children, you know, but right. the, and she kept saying, but I don't even have any money to leave. So I called the attorney so we could figure out a way to get her some money to help her move, pay down for a down deposit. But she's on the edge, the daughter, because she doesn't know how she's going to cover her rent the next month. It's a sad situation. I have those conversations with clients, Bill, because when I hear that adult children are living at home, it's kind of like red alert, red alert. <laughs> and I, I, the other day I had a heart to heart with an, an elderly couple. And I said, but do you understand that if you don't have this conversation with your 55 year old son, you're leaving it for your other two kids to have it. And then you're going to create friction between your children. Why would right. you do that? You know, right. Right. Yeah, these are touchy subjects. Have, these are hard topics. For these sure. are hard topics. I think sometimes people, you know, default to sympathy. I had a case. I have a case actually right now. We're getting ready to close escrow where the uh, decedents had a girlfriend who um, you know came back as he was dying and was helping him a little bit, and then he passed and was living there for free, of course, in drugs and all kinds of craziness. And and the family wanted her out to sell the house, and somebody said to me, "You know, don't you have sympathy for her?" And I said. The, the wife who is in a nursing home and she's in a, like one of those Medicare low income nursing homes because she has no money other than this house. But this girlfriend who really doesn't belong there uh, is holding up the sale of the asset that she's entitled to. And by the way, the decedent worked his whole life. He was a yeah. war veteran. He was a war hero. Oh. And, and he left the house to her, his wife on purpose to take yes. care of her. And yes. then, so I'm sympathetic to, to my client. I'm not sympathetic to some a squatter who is just, you know, violating the law and using it to no. advantage. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I hear you loud and clear. I, a, a case of mine that settled two years ago, eight children and one sibling, one child was like, no, I'm going to stay in the house. I was like, really? Wow. You don't think your other seven siblings have a right to their share of this home that was owned outright? 
Like right. they're all going to split like $800,000. You don't think your other siblings deserve their 100,000? I mean, I don't or that your parents, you know, they, they didn't leave it the way on purpose. For, they didn't leave. Yeah, this is your mom and dad's wish that you're, yeah, all the kids get their equal share. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, we are living in some challenging times. And I, I, I definitely think that we all have um, a duty to contribute, right. And, and be an active member of society. But I know there's a lot of other, so many layers to this, Phil, mental health, addiction i mean there's so many things you know disability yeah. you know i don't i don't want to pass judgment but it's it's right. but look at the end of the day we have a job to do we you know and i'm really genuinely trying to help everybody you know right. like let's get this resolved so that everyone can get a little piece of what they're owed what right. is rightfully theirs legally and um so we could so we can move on so i do want to say one thing because i'm on my phone unlike my screen i can't really see the chats it's like it comes yes. up but then it goes away so you're gonna have to be my um ears for i mean eyes for that i got it i got I, you I, don't I, mind. your light teed up you know but i can't just fill them out because you're going pretty quick so i don't want okay. to rock the boat there you got some momentum i stand back and let you go a little bit so we wind you up we let you don't go let me go too you. much this is dangerous <laughs> exactly okay so we got a great question from veronica she says when you publish notice is that to find errors and, and the answer is kind of yes and no, right? The law, the law requires it, yes, but theoretically errors can pop up as a result. Uh, but then how do you find errors? So let's imagine that you publish and, and some errors pop up, that's great, but there are other ones and you know of their existence, but you can't find them. What do you do to locate, to notice other errors that might be around? So first of all, typically publication, yeah, it's to put everybody on notice. Um, family members, but also it's really for creditors too. So if anyone has a claim against shoddy interstate by owe someone money, they could be like, oh, wait, wait a minute. She owes me money. Let me come tell the court, hey, this woman owes me money and put it. Also, by the way, just a side note, when, when you don't have a plan and it goes into probate, now what you did is made it super easy for anyone that has a claim against you to file a one-page creditor claim. And, and if it's a legitimate claim, they'll get paid the money you know the judge doesn't care if shoddy's three boys only end up with a hundred dollars each she'll be like she owes them money. Take doesn't the money, care at you know? all yeah that, no doesn't, doesn't care, care at all. All. yeah so back to your point about publication and errors so when we file a petition for probate by law we as the attorney representing the family member who's being the administrator or petitioner um we actually have to go through them to give notice to all known heirs okay typically children you know spouses and children okay that's kind of there's a priority of who is supposed to get noticed if you don't have kids then it's like you know there's a sanguinity chart of familial chart you know if it's then your siblings or parents first if no parents and siblings you know that that's how like the third cousin gets noticed right that their cousin died and now they're an heir um if we don't have the contact information of an heir there's air search companies that we could you know, hire, I, I believe it or not, in one of my cases, we had an investigator hired once so we can like locate the person, but there's air companies and search companies to find those errors. Um, and there's a whole process by which the court control, it's not like, oh, I tried your honor. And then we move on. Oh, no, 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 no. Like we have to go through a lot of steps to make sure that person's notified. Right. Because imagine like I have no children, no family members, the courts want accountability, right? They don't want the neighbor to get you know my money because it was my neighbor right so 
it's all about accountability and protecting also people that need protecting like seniors from someone from getting taken advantage of you know my my grandma could be 95 and die and then if the neighbor gets the money and i get no notice it's like wait a minute my grandma didn't want the neighbor to get the money so you right. kind of could do some digging and, and so on so it's about accountability too so one thing that you see happening i think more commonly in the past is in those last you know year months weeks days um documents are signed and all of a sudden there is a new girlfriend there's a new caregiver who had a special relationship there's not a care, she's not a caregiver because legally that would cause a problem but she's around a lot providing or the one daughter took care of the parents at the end comes up with a will uh hard to read the signature hard to read everything so talk about that a little bit how that's become more common what do you do to protect families from that obviously estate plans will protect it to some degree um but and do you see that more commonly happening and what can they do it happens it definitely happens um and even if that's not happening you know if someone even a sound mind is making that decision a lot of times children then dispute it especially if it happens like close to the end you know so obviously the biggest takeaway is do advanced planning right try not to wait till you're sickly or aging to do these things because there's more room for people to question that um but there's protocols first of all as an attorney we can't just draft you know trust documents you know like you come to me bill and you've got like five kids and, and an amazing, you know, relationship with them. And then all of a sudden you want to leave it to the caretaker as an attorney, you know, I have to kind of wonder about that, right. And the caretaker sitting next to you in my office, I actually would never allow that attorneys shouldn't, we would meet with you alone. You know, we're not physicians, so I'm not really here to see like, oh, does Bill, Bill have mental capacity, but you know, I could, you know, you could get an idea of someone is, has got the capability or not, but then there's other protocols. That's why there's a notary involved. That's why you have to have witnesses for some of these documents. The witnesses have to be unrelated to the planning document, not named in the document, um, 18 and over. So there's some accountability there. And then um, there's a whole other standard of care for things. So when someone has like, a um, bedside planning, you know, when they're sick. Um, I don't really sometimes take those if it's like, oh, hey, I'm in the hospital and you, you know, they sound fine and you see them, but like, oh, I want to leave it all to my girlfriend. I might be like, eh. and you have like five kids. I might be like, well, when you get out of the hospital, let's talk. I just don't want the liability as an attorney because right. here's the thing. Um, later on, it can come back to me. I mean, if the right. errors feel like I did something right. that I shouldn't have done, I can get in trouble legally as I should. So there's sure. a whole check and balance in the system. Um, but if someone wants to complain just to complain, for example, um, I did resolve a trust recently where um, two boys, son lived here and mom at the end was like, look, this son took care of me. She told me herself, he does all my caretaking. I wanna leave him 75 and I wanna leave my son that's out of state 25%. I did it. I did it. It is her choice. You know, if I don't do it, someone else will do it for her. She completely was very high functioning. And, you know, she died years after that, you know, where there was this history pattern. Right. Now, the son that was getting 25%, of course, was he upset? Absolutely. Does he have the option to dispute it? He does. Yeah. He better have some really good. Now, on that side of it, you need proof. You can't just be like, just because I didn't get. 50% I want to dispute it right or I think my mom was ill well you're gonna to have to prove that back in 2018 when she met me with with the attorney did she lack 
capacity? Are there medical notes or, or medical documents to back that, that argument from that child? So it's a fight. It's a fight. Do you know what, what the standard is for me as a real estate agent as far as capacity? Like at what level am I supposed to notice things or what, what would be something that would trigger my question as their capacity? And is that, do you the same standard? You're not a doctor. You might have to get a doctor to certify for certain things, but you know, on, on its own, do you have a different standard being an attorney than me as a real estate agent? And what, what is that standard where you might say- I personally think as, sorry, Bill, I personally think as attorneys, we have a higher standard of care because we know the law and we should know better, you know, um, I don't know what the realtor, the Department of Real Estate in California, um, what their litmus is. But I think that, I think we all kind of know, like if you know that client's confused about what they're signing, oh, I stay away from that. Like that makes me extremely uncomfortable because um, there's going to be a pattern. I think that there's always um, the history of things. Now, I ha I did have a client where he was very, very clear-minded not did not lack capacity whatsoever but he had a some kind of hand tremor and you know someone was like oh but look at the signature and i'm like that's not a basis for that i i don't i know i'm not really right. answering the question per se i mean the reality is is that um in a couple of instances i did once ask you know i kind of like a, a, a medical note that's kind of an extreme thing to do though you know like that client doesn't have to bring me a medical note from their doctor um right. but if you have doubts i'd say when in doubt it's not worth it right, right. you know what i right. mean like if you're doubting right. it that's an instinctual thing that you really should kind of back out or try to get the support it's not a perfect world we're gonna we're sometimes gonna do things too that we have no ill intention and right. just remember, someone's all, someone can always complain and always file a lawsuit. <laughs> that is what I've learned in my last 20 years. So don't let that shake you. If you believe in what you did and you don't feel like you did anything wrong, then, you know, you know, at the end of the day, like why I wouldn't, there's not enough money in the world for me to do someone's trust at the expense of hurting someone. I don't know. Sure. But, my father's attorney. He used to say, anybody can sue anybody for anything. Mm -hmm. They're going to win. But anybody can sue you for any, if, they, yes. if they're upset, if they think they felt, if they're cheated, if they feel cheated, they're, they have the right to sue you. It doesn't mean they're going to win. doesn't mean you, yeah. you, know, you can't collect damages and such against them. But yeah, and I think the challenge having been through this with, um, you know, four sets of parents between me and my wife is that some of these people go have different moments, right? They're, they're lucid most of the time, but occasionally they have problems. It might be times a day they have different problems. It might be medication, changes medication. Yes. Right, so you know, this day they're normal, but then the next day, for whatever reason, they're not. And and so, when people are adamant, they know the person's clear, or they know the person's not. It's not so simple. No, and it's not constant. Their 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 abilities go up and down over the course of time. And yeah, that's a very very good point. Which again is more reason why advanced planning in all aspects of life, you know, not just estate planning, right? but every type of advanced planning, right? Financial planning, more memorial care planning, you know, even real estate planning, right? right. You don't want to be doing things at the last minute no, because you're not going to make good decisions. Yeah, success is always about planning ahead, preparing for success, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, okay, we've got a question in the chat box from Christopher. He says, many probate sales require court confirmation. What if so many LA probates not have full authority? I can tell you that in LA right now, we have about 67 scheduled about 50 a month go through LA County Court requiring confirmation. There might be 500 sales, there might be 
400, uh, 50 with 500 sales a month might be 50 with court confirmation, about 10%. Oh, wow. Orange County, it's a lot less. You, it's a very rare thing, it seems, in Orange County, yes? Um, it's, it's rare, I think. Okay, so demographics, income. So here's the thing. Okay, a couple of factors. <clears throat> the petitioner, if they're not credit worthy, it's going to be hard for them to get full authority. That's one. Two, if there's any family member or heir that's objecting or disputing it, that's another reason why it's going to be difficult to get full authority. Right. Um, also, um, if there's other extenuating circumstances, sometimes um, you might have a lot of probates in LA, but then the individual petitioning is actually not in California, is at a state. Right. That court's going to be less inclined to give full authority because they have no control over that person out of state there's right. a lot of different factors as to why one of the big reasons is bond the, the ability to get bonded right. and cre your credit worthiness so if you're listening right just because you know your mom passed and you're the sole child doesn't mean the judge is going to approve you as the administrator or executor because the judge's thought process is this okay you're asking me to approve you to manage your mom's estate but you've got like a 500 500 sorry 500 fico score well why would i put you in charge of her bank accounts and the sale of her home if right. you can't you're not like credit worthy you know i know there's arguments about fico scores and whether that's a good you know but you get the idea overall so at the end of the day another issue of probate is a judge decides who gets to become the boss of your hard-earned money and assets like why, you know, I always tell clients when they come and they go, but I don't know who I want to pick. I'm like, listen, the devil, you know, is way better than the devil you don't know, which is the, whoever the heck the judge wants to um, select or worse. You know, I had I've had I have some cases where, you know, the spouse dies and it's maybe a second spouse. And then the surviving spouse is like the daughter's the petitioner. And here I am have been the wife for 20 years living in the home and she, and she wants to administer these assets like, well, hello. but spouses do have priority and there's a whole other thing so believe it or not someone else could file the petition first and have initial priority until someone disputes or objects so that's why i think there's i will say something else too i don't know if this is you know kosher or not but um it's it's more work as as us attorneys as probate attorneys to file a petition with full authority so we have to be you know on our game know how to assess the case in order to see if our client's going to be accepted to get full authority or not. So I think in LA, you've got a lot more going on there, right? I think you're right. Properties of large value, um, many generations, people all over, you know, different demographics, perhaps, and maybe that has something to do with it, too. I think you're right. So uh, just to follow up, and Chris asks, um, so if the administrator executor can't get, isn't credit worthy and can't get bonded, then the limit authority allows them to get mm -hmm. Uh, appointed, but there's without a bond. They can't qualify for bond. That's the alternative. Yes, that's correct. So um, then it's limited authority. So then, therefore, when you want to come to sell the home, you have to get court approval in order to do right. that. But with right. full authority, you are allowed to sell at market, you know, at market price, of course, and you're allowed to sell. Now, also, sometimes if there's an interested party and they ask for a special notice or they petition for something, you know, like, hey, I don't really trust this person, they could petition to request it having to go through court too and so on. There's an objector, the ones, the ones, and I always caution, before you object, talk to your sibling and see if you can't get into some deal because once it goes limited authority, you're forcing this whole court confirmation process 
you can't you can't undo that once you once you force that. Yeah, that's a really great point, Bill. I mean, I, I always I'm like sitting here going like I think he's the attorney. <laughs> I think the tables are turned here because you're so eloquent and you know you are really very well versed in the probate area, Thanks. Bill. And you know, not all realtors are. You, I mean, I could tell you've had extensive years upon years of experience of probate. Uh, I mean, I've learned things from you, and so yeah, that it, it's better to work it out if you can. Always. Uh, always, always, always better to work it always. out with the person you hate than it is in front of the judge with the yes, person you hate. Because you're still going to be with the person you hate. Yeah. And again, because you're in control. Now, if there's an issue of like trust or something, you know, I, I'll tell you, I had one um, case where um, this, the, my client said we, and the, the brother was the petitioner. I, I won't tell you this. I won't tell you what his profession was. And they said, we don't trust him. And so we asked for certain things and, and um, a bond. We didn't waive bond. He ended up stealing from the estate. So we used the bond company. I filed a motion and the bond company reimbursed the estate for the money he stole. That's the, so people go, well, what's the point of a bond? There's a point to it. It's a security so that if the person skips the country and goes to Costa Rica with the $500,000 sale proceeds of the home, the bond is the protection for the other, the parties, for the heirs, um, if something like that were to happen. So there's value and, to that. You can waive bond, but all parties right. have to waive bond. And, and I think sometimes people don't understand. They think, well, can't the judge you know, decide this or that? And the answer is, in a perfect world, they, they might, but they have so many cases. Oh. Such, you know, when you listen, uh, you know, to the um, to the call of cases in the morning, where they have the, <laughs> basically the consent calendar, um, you know, they have so many of those to get through in the time period. The judge has so little time on any individual case uh, on most of these matters that yep. the default is, why should I rely on remembering I met you in court when you know you can't follow the procedure that's required? And so it's it's not necessarily just they wouldn't like to be more. Uh, accommodating it's it's a it's the dmv it really the yeah, judge the is DMV, not the judge is like the dmv commissioner like he's not or she they're not like a dmv employee but they're serviced by the dmv basically and it's tough and again a great analogy and look they are overworked they're looking at stacks upon stacks they can't they cannot manage all that you know yeah. clients are like well aren't they reading the case not really, maybe like five minutes before they go that morning yeah. on the bench. I mean, yeah. I, I hate to say that, but there's truth to that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, sometimes I'm like number 47 on the calendar. Right. You know, and that's not just one calendar the, a day. The judge has got right. like five yeah. different times or four yeah. different times in that day where they have yeah. uh, hearing spots. So I'm not sure how it is in Orange County, in LA County, when you get the um, authority, the attorney prepares the order, right? So the good attorneys prepare it ahead of time, and but most of them wait till afterwards. They they start to prepare it. They prepare it wrong, gets kicked back two, three, four times. You know, in San Bernardino, that the court prepares the the order and just hands it to the judge, and they yeah. sign it right then and there. It's like, what that, is up with that? I'm like, let's all pass away in the county of San Bernardino. Yes. We we discovered that the other day. Yeah, we've been having issues with this, and the orders have been crazy. I'll tell you something funny. We've submitted orders maybe even a little too fast and it's been rejected because the clerk's like well we didn't get the minute order from the judge that was so then they reject it then it comes back to us right. you know and then we're having to read right. and right. 
by the way, get my clients kind of get frustrated. Like, well, shoddy, the hearing was a month ago. Where's the order? Right. I'm like, look, I hear you. I'm just right. as frustrated with you. Remember, as the attorneys, we don't get paid till the very end. I told a client of mine recently, I go, I've been working on your case for like a year and six months. I'm like, I want this settled just as much as you do because right. I'd like to get compensated for the last year and a half of work. Right. You know? So it's a hard thing. Uh, when we, we, do, we do co-confirmation, we represent an investor, we buy them, I tell them, theoretically, you have to be able to close within 10 days from the court date. But the reality is it's 10 days from the receipt of an approved signed order by the judge. If yes. the attorneys know what they're doing, that could be 30 days. Yeah. That take longer, yes. right? Because the form is not so simple. So here's the, here's the softball question of the day for you, because I know this is what you do as well, and you also have other members in your firm. What's the benefit of putting a home in a trust? Oh, my gosh. A lot of benefits, huge amounts of benefits. Okay, so, okay, so actually, this is such a soft question. Like you can't even get your arm around how beautiful this one is. This is yeah, it's life. like so many. You talk about this all day. Where do I start? I'm such a trust nerd. It's kind of like yeah. corny. Anyways, okay. So first of all, autonomy, right? So the moment I put my home in my trust, I control it, and my love, the people I select, control it right? To rent it, to sell it, to do whatever they want. Talk to the county assessor's office, deal with property taxes, get insurance on the property, repair it, list it for sale. You get the idea, right? It's not just if I die, I could get incapacitated and need to downsize, move closer to family because now I've got a you know, rehabilitation issue. I mean, life happens. You have no clue what to expect. So you want to have the freedom to be flexible with life and the only way you're going to have that freedom is if you put it in the trust so imagine this is shoddy's water bottle right let's just pretend it's a five hundred thousand dollar property if i die who controls this puppy just because it's my spouse on paper or my three kids they don't get to automatically do whatever they they want with this right so the legal system says if shoddy didn't put this in a trust and appoint people to manage it for her benefit, then we're going to control it and we're going to tell you what's going to happen. And it's just going to sit there. You're not going to be able to do much. So that's one benefit. Another benefit actually is some, el some element of privacy. When I die and I have a trust, it's not all public for everyone to see what's going on, right? right. Probate's all public. So that's right. another thing. I'm not tied up into the courts. Again, my trustee can manage the property and do what you know what they want. I mean, they could sell my property as easily as 30 to 45 days after I die if they wanted to, if my kids needed it, my family needed it, they need to pay for funeral expenses, whatever the case may be, if my only asset is the home, let's say. Um, here's some other amazing benefits. You actually leave it in a more protective way to your beneficiaries. So um, let's say I have a child, one child, and I'm going to leave this house to them, but they've got this huge judgment against them or an IRS claim against them or something, right? If I leave my home in a trust to my child or any beneficiary, if you don't have children, fine. Anyone you care enough to leave your stuff to, that you're leaving it to them protectively. Okay. So you're giving them like creditor. If, if the trust is drafted right, not all trusts are equal. If you're, if, drafted well, you're leaving that the, the money, life insurance, the house in a protective way to the beneficiary. So if the beneficiary is on disability, Medi-Cal, you can leave them a million dollar life insurance money. But if you leave it through the trust, you're giving it to them protectively. 
I could leave a million dollars to my three boys and I could leave a trustee in charge of the money to divvy it out, use it for education and give it to them over their life versus, hey, kids, you know, mom died. She didn't have a trust and went through probate. Now you're getting it all at 18. Enjoy the $300,000 you just got that you're going to spend in the first few years. Those yeah. are those are just some of the basic benefits that I could think of, like quickly off the top of my head. There's so many. And um, by the way, one last thing I'll tell you, California changed their rules for um, Medi-Cal recovery. You know, if someone goes in a nursing home, it used to be when that parent died, the state could recover. Well, yeah, they should. Right. Hey, we cared for your mom or dad. Give us some of the money back that, that we spent on their care. It's amazing. Now they don't let you get to the primary home if it's in a revocable trust. So I, my belief as an estate planning attorney is like, look, the, the state is even realizing how important this is, how overwhelmed the probate court system is. I believe they did it for that reason. They want people not to be homeless, right? They don't want families to be out of a family home and so on. So there's so many benefits, so many benefits. I, you know, I say, and again, I'm not giving little advice, but just business advice from what I've observed, anybody who owns a house in California should have a trust to protect it. Anybody. The biggest misconception is people tell me all the time, well, I don't need a trust. I have a will. Like, oh, oh, a will is just a ticket to go to probate court with a will versus no will. It's no different. You're, it's in the DMV. There's two lines with a will, without will. They both get the same service. There's no real difference. Uh, but the trust is a whole different experience and if you don't know that if you have questions you definitely want to consult with an attorney evaluate your case because um it's a big a will does not avoid probate that's a yeah, yeah. it's it's there's no, a I think lot in of some states questions. it might in some states i think it may in texas it or some other states right but that's not why. in california no. you're going to dmv no with a will <laughs> it's just like an i love you letter that still goes through court it's it doesn't avoid probate at all it's just like the dmv is a different line you go to with a will versus not yes you're exactly. still the dmv Good bill point. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay. So we have another question. Um, remember, it says, how do you contact an attorney or whoever to list a probate property? So, you know, I think sometimes companies that sell probate data or sell probate coaching to real estate agents or investors make it sound like we'll just buy the data of the probate filings and there's a list with the attorney's name and phone number and just call the attorney and they'll refer you listings just because you cold call them to do that. Now, we're obviously in a very competitive market, Orange County, California, LA County, California. That's not really how it works, is it? I mean, I'm sure you no. must get calls from realtors who are now certified as probate experts. And because of that, I expect you to go, oh, wow, that's great. Let me put you in my Rolodex and make sure I send you every refer. Is that how it works or not? No, it's so hard. And I'm like, I mean, I'm someone that's like, gosh, I wish I could like give referrals to everybody. But the reality is a lot of our clients come to us, first of all, I get these letters right when I file a petition for probate and it's like, hello, the wife is still living. Why are you sending me a letter asking me like, like, you know, and I get it. It's marketing. And I I respect everyone's need to like market and whatnot. And, you know, fish, if you will, or hunt, whatever you want to call it. But no, it doesn't work like that. I think you have to really be meaningful, create networks, join organizations, add value. Um, You know, you just sending a letter. I honestly, I, 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 it really pains me because I feel like it's environmentally so horrible because like all these letters and marketing pieces and that just, 
really kind of end up in the trash. Like you look at them and I mean, in the beginning, you know, I was not, I was like, Oh, you know, and then I was like, after five years of that, I was like, okay, trash, you know, and right. I, I will tell you a few times, um, I've had a, a real, a few realtors call and like pretend it was like case related to get us on the phone. And that is really not cool. <laughs> like I would get so upset and I've even seen some really odd marketing pieces. I'm going to tell you one thing I recently saw that really kind of ticked me off a little, to be honest with you, because I feel like it's very misleading for the layperson, right? The family member who's in probate, they took the probate petition and they like cut the top part off and then they put their own information on there, like realtor, let us know if you want. But my client called me like, oh my gosh, I got a doc. And I'm like, what? You got a court document? You know, send it to us immediately. And it was a marketing piece. And we were uh, like, oh, that's tacky. But, uh, you know, creative, but tacky. <laughs> yeah, if the, I always feel like if the base of your business is fooling people and they're working with you, you might consider a different career or business. So Yeah, it's so hard. And, you know, a lot of our clients, like they want to keep the home. People right. are still living in the home. Right. Or, you know, they here's the thing. My mom wants me to use her realtor or my cousin's a realtor or, yeah. you know, like she wants me to use the realtor in the neighborhood that farms that neighborhood. You know, right. I mean, you know, I try to give my clients some other options like, hey, here's another name or two, call them. But right. it's not always the case. Like right now, I've got a lot of probates where they're not uh, and I don't have a lot of probates, even though I do a lot of probate. I don't have like a mass volume. I'm not a huge firm. Um, I would say a good half, maybe even a third are not selling the property right well um, like most sellers and and those who do sell the other part that's true you that you may not even know this is they might sell two three years from now like most sellers don't think they sell and then something changes and two years down the road yes they do and so you have to earn a relationship i think to put yourself yeah. in that position the one exception that i think attorneys are too casual to let the customer choose with all this interviewing is on court confirmation i feel like that's a special that's a specialty that i feel like Look, if, if you use your own realtor, I'm, I'm going to look at that property when it's filed and maybe have my investor buy it on the cheek because you're making a mistake. And I see that all the time. I agree with you there. Absolutely. So I will tell you, I'm very opinionated if it's limited authority and there's some or there's it's a disputed a probate. I actually say to them before they hire me that I would prefer they go through one or two uh, you know, realtors that we work with because yeah. I've had some really scary situations. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I look at all the listing agreements and especially when we're in escrow on estates and even my trust, I have to look at those documents with a fine tooth comb because I found a couple of times where the tax, the, um, I forgot the name of the form, but you know, it had my client's name and social on there. And I'm like, wait, 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 they're not selling this property. The right. trust is selling it right. or the exactly. estate of is selling it. Right. And that could yeah. become an IRS nightmare for, sure. for me <laughs> and, sure. and, and, the, and the CPA. So yeah. that's a really great point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Christopher, again, a good, good point here. He's attended probate court in various counties and he sees probate cases being continued because of errors and oversight by the attorney. Now, sometimes it's not the attorney and you don't really know, but there are plenty of times it's pretty obvious the attorney filed the paperwork and it was incomplete and they didn't, you know, uh, uh, they got caught. And, and, and in the old days, you'd be in court and the attorneys would come in and the attorney, the judge would say, do you check the notes? The attorney would say, well, what are the notes? You knew right away they know what they're doing. So he asks, do the attorneys offer a concession to clients on the fees? Do they lower their commissions or their, their uh, costs? The answer is, there she is, no. You know what? I, I'm very kind of obnoxious 
when it comes to my own field of, you know, my colleagues, I think there's a lot of very sloppy attorneys. Maybe they don't mean to be, you know, lack of integrity or workmanship. Sometimes they're just solos. They're doing their best. I mean, I don't want to diss them all, but I find sometimes it's just the lack of organization, lack of management, probate. I didn't just jump into probate. It took me years as an estate planning attorney before I embarked in probate. It was hard in the beginning. I'm not going to lie, but right now, like my probates, I'm like always ahead because I have to be, you know, I mean, to me, I don't know, maybe, I don't know. I feel like when, a, when clients hire us, I feel like I have a huge duty to make sure I really do their job as efficiently as I can. Have I made mistakes? A hundred thousand percent. We're all human, but you know, who you get, and you know, I, I don't know. I think you have to be really careful when you're hiring someone because yeah. I think it really matters, especially in probate. My biggest, um, a kill like pet peeve is when, oh yeah, we'll just continue it. It's like, no, people are waiting for this. Maybe because I didn't come from money bill. I, you know, I don't know. I come from very blue collar family. Like I behind every case is a family that's waiting for this to get settled. You know, they need the money. So I really push my team. I'm very lucky. You're only as good as your team. I have the most amazing paralegal that helps me with my probate cases. I sing her praises daily. She makes me look so right. good. If it was just me doing it, we would be having continuances right. <laughs> for sure. Yes. She helps yeah. me. I think we're always pre-approved. I'm very thankful. Nice. Yeah. There's no reason not to be. Something's wrong. There's no reason not to be. The, the attorney, the, the probate attorney who works for the judge reviews the case, gives you the notes. They tell you what the, this in LA and in Orange County, you know what the problem is before the hearing date. If you can yeah. really try to fix it by the hearing date, then you can ask for continuance and not waste everybody's time. But if you yes. go up and the judge has to tell you no, it's just you're not doing a job. I hate to say but it. I, but I will say one thing, and I will tell you this. I will tell you that sometimes we have no control over it. So I'll give you an example. We filed everything like months in advance. We're waiting, waiting, waiting for probate notes, waiting. And sometimes they're giving us the probate notes literally like five days before. Right. And you don't have any time to cure the note. Right. So a lot of times it makes us look bad and the client gets upset. But I'm like, look, I submitted this three months in advance. The right. court didn't look at it till five days before the hearing. And I right. have to submit everything five days before the hearing. There's no way I'm going to be able to submit it that same day. So right. a lot of times it's not our fault, too. So to, to be fair to my colleagues, too, at the same time, we are at the whim of the probate system. And it's not an efficient system. I've had, by the way, now with COVID, some judges are sitting on the benches asking for things. My paralegal and I are looking at each other like, I've never had that request. What the heck's going on? I mean, we've had some crazy stuff happening that's not in our control. And now they're postponing right. it and the client's getting upset. So right. to be fair to you, you want to know both sides because it's not always that the attorney's not doing a good job. Okay. Well, I I think maybe Orange County is a little different than LA in my experience, but I've yes. seen too many times when attorneys, they ask the question, what are the probate notes? Like, you know, something's wrong. Like, I feel like the judge is like, can I have your bar card for one second? Let me hold on to it. Go back to class, learn how to do a probate, and then come back and give it yeah, to you. Yeah, if you're saying what are probate notes, oh, you should have co-counseled with someone. Like exactly. That's, yeah, that's frightening. Yeah. Don't say that to the judge. Like that's yeah, just it's tell like, the teacher you didn't do your homework. Like you yeah, know, that's, that's just wrong. Kind of crazy. What's what's yeah. trust you on? <laughs> exactly. Uh, question from William. If you're there, William, I, this will be the last question because we're gonna we gotta wrap up here real quick. William, you have a question for? Uh, hey, 
How you guys doing? Um, Bill, I just want to give you kudos, man. This is so in insightful and enlightening. I really stepped my probate game up. And, um, you know, I just want to thank you, man. You're a wealth of knowledge. Um, I, I do have a question. Uh, I'm in a, um, it's more of a trust sale. Um, in a nutshell, um, the deceased passed and they, uh, they refinanced, but did not put the trust back in the property after they, re you know, when you refi, you got to take the trust out of the eccentric rental. They didn't do that. So we had to file a hedge step petition. We did that. The, the court date was in November. <laughs> the judge, the judge verbally accepted because we're ready to close. We're just waiting on the formal uh, sign off. Or but in LA County? In March. In and LA County? It, the, the judge uh, verbally agreed in November. What county so, are you waiting on? What county LA. is this in? There you go. LA. So when, what's the turnaround? Can we can we push for an expedite? I mean, um, to expedite it? I mean, can the attorney, you know, I mean. did the, Has the attorney given you any feedback? Like, I mean, they could, they could, um, so they can email the probate examiner and go, Hey, what's going on? We have the hearing. It was approved. Where's the order coming? Examiner. He says that the, I need to just take a note. He says that, uh, the clerk says we just have to wait. I wow. said, that's it. That's, that's the only thing. Um, probate examiner. I'm, I'm talking to the estate because they hired the estate <coughs> planning attorney. I'm like, he's not taking any other efforts. He's there, like, well, we. He says we just have to wait. We're we're in line. I'm if like, could, there's nothing else he can do. If I could add one piece, is I've I've been in these situations. Uh, you can, if you had the case number, you can log in and see the filing. And I've seen cases where they submitted it, it got rejected, and it hasn't been resubmitted. And until it's resubmitted, it's not going to get signed. And yeah. The attorney doesn't like that. They don't like me calling them on it. But I'll tell the client, hey, I'll just show them the screenshot. This is what's happening with your case. It's not a mystery. It's not, you know, I'm not giving legal advice. This is just the procedures are right in front of you. You can log in and see yeah. it. Yep. You got to push that. That's a great, okay. Bill, Bill answered that question perfectly. Um, you can go, it's all public. You have to kind of know how to maneuver through the site, yeah. but you can look yeah. up the probate the website. Yeah. Yes. Well, I'm offline. If you want to reach out to me, let's, I'll walk you through a little bit. Okay. Thank you, Bill. Okay, we're going to wrap up because we're at the top of the hour. And Shadi, I know you had a long day. Shadi Schaefer, thank you so much. Now, if someone wants to contact you, your website's assetprotectioncenter.com, right? Yes, yes. And if you go there, there's a picture of you smiling and your partner and your other attorneys and all the information. And you also offer free consultation. So whether you want to, if you're in probate, think you need probate, or want to avoid probate by getting a state plan, we didn't talk as much about that today because we're going to talk about that with one of Shadi's partners, one of Shadi's associates in a future day. Today we wanted to talk about probate and probate litigation and because she's an expert in that too. But if you have questions on estate planning as well, go to that website, asset, assetprotectioncenter.com or there's a phone number right on there for free consultation. I don't get anything out of this, but I just think she's great. 714-966-2646. 714-966-2646. We'll have that in the show notes as well. Shadi, any last suggestions or, or uh, um, in words of wisdom for us? If you want to be a successful realtor in today's market and in California, continue following Mr. Gross. Oh, he is exceptional at what he oh. does. The fact that you put this forum on is amazing because look, 
We don't know what we don't know. And a lot of people just do not have the information. So Bill, I really mean it. I, I'm not here for selfish reasons for to have my phone ring. Um, I'm, I'm thankful, you know, the phone rings plentiful. I thank you for putting this on to educate people because so many Californians today still don't know the value of estate planning and the importance of avoiding probate. So I have a, a lot of respect for you, Bill. Thank you so Thanks. much for always having me and being so delightful to talk to. Really. Thank, thank you. you. Well, and thank you all for listening and for your kind comments. And thanks for making time. I know you're real busy with your conference and also congratulations on that. Good luck with it. And we'll talk to you soon. So that wraps us up. We do this every Thursday, 4 p.m. Uh, probateweekly.com. Feel free. It's free. We also live stream it and it's recorded on YouTube and Facebook and other social media. You can catch me, my social media, Bill Gross EXP on YouTube or Facebook or LinkedIn. We do this every single week. And hey, it's Bill Gross. I hope you like this video. If you want to join us live, every Thursday, 4 p.m. Pacific time, 7 p.m. Eastern, register at probateweekly.com, www.probateweekly.com. And if you like this content, hit the like button and subscribe and hit notifications, and you get notified as soon as we upload every time. Thanks.